0: Okay. Geraldine Snell. Hello. Hello, my dear. Um, Hello, Jennifer Jazz. Yeah, it's cool to speak to you. And um, hi, everyone who's listening. I'm with Geraldine Snell, the author of Overlove. Overlove, a nonfiction novella published in October of 2018 by my favorite small press, Dostoevsky Wannabe. Woo! Woo! Woo (laughs) And um, you're, you're based in where, London or...
1: Yeah I'm based in London. Uh, I'm originally from West Yorkshire in the north of England Um, but yeah I've been in London for a little while now but the novel actually, it's novella rather, um, starts in West Yorkshire.
0: When we specify that something's a novella as opposed to a novel are we talking page count?
1: I think yeah in, in my terms it was sort of page count but I did sort of call it a non-fiction novella which is a bit of an oxymoron <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah but you <laughs> okay you
0: are extremely playful um the fact that you're a visual artist really comes through here um you have a distance from literature I noticed that gives you a certain freedom and so the book has a carelessness and a fearlessness to it that um, it just makes it readable and unpredictable as you turn the pages. Anything's possible, page after page. Um, how did you How did you come into this project? Can you give me like a little bit of a I don't know a story around the book?
1: Absolutely, yeah. Um, I've been asked before about yeah about the kind of intellectual origins of it and these kinds of things, and really. It was completely unintentional when I started writing it. Um, As it is described in the book, essentially, I went to a gig, um, got rather carried away with a a sort of limerent crush on the drummer. And really, like, that night I started writing and I just kind of kept doing that. Um, And the writing kind of kept me high. Um, It kept me going and propelled me through a period of my life when I was I was doing a teaching qualification at the time so you know learning how to teach art to adults uh, and young adults it was a further education qualification so not not kids or anything but yeah it was a very strangely sort of busy intense period where I was um studying a lot and I was doing all this new stuff so I was having to like go and do lectures and I think actually the night that I'd been to Leeds to see that gig when I started writing I was having a bit of a sort of intense time because I'd had my first teaching observation I'd like been doing all this other stuff and my creativity was suffering you know I wasn't really getting any time other than in the teaching stuff to actually um express and explore in the way that I'd maybe had time to previously although that year I guess uh, it was probably a f- uh, 2016 when I started writing it was sort of two and a bit years after I had graduated art school in Edinburgh where I had very much yeah like you say been able to be very playful uh, and I was sort of find- finding myself in this situation where we all get when we're you know, not in a really sort of full time art environment where we have to balance work and making money and all of these other right, right okay. energies we well, yeah. yeah. producing and uh, yeah. So, it, but I think being out of that um, environment really allowed me to just with overlove, uh, yeah, it just sort of ended up seeping out of me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. um, well, a lot
0: of a lot of overlove. Uh, first of all, I love the title. It's like the best title ever. Um, oh, thank you. No, it really is. And it's so appropriate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I it you know, so I agonised over the title for so long, but then I think one day that just sort of popped into my head and it was like so obvious. But so, you know, the kind of thing that you can't really think of. But yeah, it was just right. Well,
0: a lot of Overlove reads like, to me, it sounds like the sarcastic, like, punk version of a lover's rock ballad.
1: Mm, I've not read that.
0: I mean, that's, that's, I mean, not that, I'm not saying that I read it somewhere, I'm saying that it reads like that to me, you know, it's like, when I read it, it's very sarcastic, and... Mm. It, of course, it's very, very sarcastic. It's like really super sarcastic, almost entirely bitterly so at times. And, uh-huh. then, and then at other times, it's really necessary for us to discuss love with that, with that kind of abandon. It doesn't get caught up in the typical song of love, but it is a lover's rock ballad. It's just that it has a lot of dissonant guitar and shrieking and stuff going <laughs> on. So mm-hmm. yeah, with some interesting textures and... And moods and and ideas and feelings. It's, um, yeah. It's it's unique. That's for sure. And it's as as again as I as I stated before. It's there's a fearlessness, um, to how you discuss love, that, I admire. It's almost like you're again like you're kind of rubbing a cream pie, and not just the face, of this musician who you seem to be infatuated with to an obsess, obsessive extent, but mm-hmm it's like you're rubbing like a cream pie in everybody's faces. Definitely. Yeah. It's like a prank, right? It's like one big prank. Um, Oh
1: yeah. And especially my own face. Uh, Yeah. I think yeah. And
0: including your own. Yes. Right. Um, Or at least I hope so. It works. Trust me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm glad. Um, Yeah. I think that, I mean, the sarcasm and the, there's definitely a humour to it or a knowing. And I guess that's, um, it maybe arises from a, the kind of conflict around um, how can one experience that level, like that level of emotional intensity about, you know, nothing, about about something that's not real and about something that's imagined, but equally have so much kind of analysis and scorn and intellectualization of it um that that's really i think maybe since over love i've actually maybe felt a lot more sincere or able to um not be so sarcastic but yeah i think a lot of it was just me being like having these feelings um but just knowing almost how yeah knowing how ridiculous it is and then sort of using that as a, as a basis to, you know, really sort of go to an extreme with it. Um,
0: well, you're deconstructing desire, you know, romance, lust, and it's bitter. But mm. um, I, you know, my, my humble conclusion at this phase of my life is that love is ultimately quite bitter. Um, mm-hmm. I just, I just don't see how we can satisfy each other's expectations, and then I just don't see that it's really, truly possible. Mm. And then does that mean that we should just kind of go live in caves by ourselves? No, I think mm. that just acknowledge that um, love is an experiment, and you know, well, the end. You know what I mean? I'll leave it there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, no need to discuss it. We don't have to elaborate um,
0: any further on that. Yeah.
1: yeah, I think I think what was really, or the I don't know maybe the the cautionary tale or the lesson I feel I learned from Overlove was the kind of yeah it's what you said is this really misplaced um, faith. And investment in what can be provided by another person so it was both in the fact that in Overlove I I was in um, a mostly monogamous relationship which uh, at the time seemed to be fulfilling all of my needs but clearly um, clearly it wasn't because that, that's why I was writing Overlove uh, and having all these sort of other um, Inner world, fantasy situations, uh, and and longing. But equally, um, I think I think about a lot about attachment and how, you know, whenever we're attached to something, we're almost we develop expectations of it. And we're not able to be let it be what it is and love it for what it is. You know, love just kind of ruins that somehow. Well,
0: maybe, maybe. I mean, what I liked about your book is that it gives us an opportunity um, to question love and to attack love. <laughs> mm. No, I mean, come on, um, because, you know, come on. I mean, love is just not um, capable of, of being encompassed within what we know is love. And so we always get hurt or knocked out you know what i mean
1: mm-hmm.
0: like we didn't see the punch coming because we get set up socially like with all the myths the fantasies the beautiful songs and stuff um yes, yes. Yeah. we get set up um what's the difference between um fiction and nonfiction to you because this book is somewhere in between i feel
1: hmm that's a great question um and yeah, I did. I did call it a non-fiction novella, um, which yeah, it seems. Obviously, a novella is a literary form, so of course, literary. If it's literary, it must be sort of uh, fictional. It's really interesting, actually, because I just came from Sheffield DocFest last weekend, which is a documentary festival, uh, film festival. So having these kinds of discussions and conversations there, because I was showing showing some film work, which. Uh, it also is asking these questions of like, you yeah, know, what is the difference between um, the f- kind of non do- objectively documenting something and um, something being fictionalized or performed. And I think when I was writing Overlove, I very much felt like, well, this is just a, this is just an authentic documentation of, you know, me in this moment, writing, feeling, you know, projecting all these things to this uh to this potential love interest but obviously I think even when writing it I you know the more that you write and the more that you construct um and create I mean I created a character out of this person that I was writing my letters to I didn't actually know that person so that was a sort of fictioning that that went on there And I just think the whole act of writing and writing that and elevating this crush, like I didn't have to go down that route. I could have just lived my normal life. But the fact that I decided to invest to that level in creating this situation or this series of situations, which I could then write about all from like real life events. So none of it was made up per se, like it was all. To the dates that are in the novella novella, um that all of those things did happen on those days like there's there's no kind of um playfulness in the format there or creative license i should say um but yeah i'm really interested in yeah like just just kind of being honest about that almost and, and just saying that because i think um people, that maybe there is a difference. Um, traditionally, people might have said uh, that the the kind of, that the, the, the sign of being a good writer is, you know, having imagination and using imagination and not having to just draw on your own life. But I think maybe that attitude shifted in recent years, gladly.
0: Um, I'm not sure about... Um... I'm not sure about discussions around writing about what writing should do and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I don't trust those discussions at all. Um, Mm. Another thing I like about your book is that it seems to be doing what writing shouldn't be doing. And so books like that tend to be more, more necessary to read, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But just in terms of um, folks listening to us discuss your book and wondering you know what 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 it sounds like what it is I'm just going to read a page I have open here cool Um, okay but I'm not sure if it's the whole page okay let's see um this is Thursday the 3rd of November and Mm -hmm. um it begins dear Kurt firstly let me apologize for what to you must have seemed an out of the blue friend request I'm not yet decided on whether i'll send you the following but i suppose you actually messaging me really caught me off guard yes i don't know you and yes you were right to scout that out before accepting a friend request from me why indeed <laughs> why indeed did i add you it certainly wasn't to ask you about your drum pad dot, dot, dot. the truth is the whole evening during which i attended your gig in Leeds and became convinced that my attraction to you was somewhat reciprocated given the fleeting eye contact I think we maybe shared has left me high and dry. Now I'm back from the gig, unable to sleep despite my best attempts to put it out of my mind and calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I have found myself with no alternative but to sit here and write to you. Boom. And so that's basically how, you know, this book moves and, I think it's exciting to just read correspondence like over time. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's a genius way to structure a story.
1: Thank you. I, I don't think uh, I love been... hearing you read it actually. Well, <laughs>
0: <but> <laughs> I tend to always laugh when I'm reading because books are funnier than we realize, you know, and then when we hear them, they're funny yeah
1: and i didn't um i was so and i don't think it's a bad thing um i obviously i'm laughing as well but but once i uh, screened the first episode of the video of overlove at um, a film club in london um and like the audience were just like howling with laughter <laughs> okay okay i didn't know what to feel because I was like OK, yeah, it's funny, but like it's also it was also kind of deadly serious. Like, yes, we can all laugh at me um, being this kind of <laughs> creep, but <laughs> I, I, I'm happy to laugh at myself. But yeah, it's 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 funny. It's funny how we um, yeah, how we laugh or how funny it is, even though it's not funny. Well, it is.
0: OK, um, your book reminds me of my book. Mm -hmm. And because I have like a big chunk of my book where I have the exact same experience at a gig. I make eye contact, I believe with someone Mm -hmm. on stage. Um, And I'm pretty sure that that was eye contact because it was not a big like crowd. It was a small crowd, Mm -hmm. small enough for me to know that, you know, we were exchanging eye contact while the singer was on stage singing. Mm -hmm. And, um, I understand what you mean about that and why you decided to dedicate a book to that kind of moment. Um, it's, you know, it's a kind of nakedness and I don't know why, but it's like, it's, a, it's an undressing when you have those types of um, eye, that type of eye contact is undressing. It's mm-hmm. unexpected, it's shocking. It's, you feel very naked and the other person feels naked. The world just disappears at that moment. It's like Adam and Eve, you know? But why? Mm-hmm.
1: Why? But why? Adam and Eve, interesting. I think, um, well, since Overlove, <laughs> I guess I've kind of been trying to figure that out a little bit more in my own my own mind, my own life. Um, but I think it's really, it, you know, it's so deep, uh, that kind of contact. Uh, obviously, you know, when someone... The, 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 t- the slightest physical cues of whether someone is interested or not interested and how that resonates about early experiences. Um, and that's maybe how I can think of that at the moment. But just deciding, I think it's the with, with me and with that situation, the ambiguity of it and not knowing 100% whether it was or it did signify interest um that was almost like this this invitation to just be like all right okay just like it's almost it's a possibility so let's just go with that um well it's not you know
0: well it's a really deep um analysis of desire especially that power dynamic between a performer and someone in the audience is kind of I, I distrust it and I, I, I don't know, like I have a major issue with ego trips and performing and then stages too. I don't, like mm-hmm. I have a problem with stages and then people like below the stage who are the designated admirers of those on mm. stage and stuff like that. The hierarchy. Um, yeah, it leads towards like a story like you see in Overload ultimately. Mm-hmm that's another reason why I liked it because it should be a billion of these stories. Like how many people have experienced this? Like millions, billions, trillions have gone to gigs and, and thought, you know, that they met their true love, you know, on stage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, everything that performers do um, is in behalf of cultivating that fantasy. Um, mm. so, you know, what, what can you say? But I'm happy that this book kind of analyzes the phenomenon of falling in love with someone who's, you know, at the center of our attention, intentionally. Mm. You know, um, what what made you include photographs? Because um, the book is kind of a hybrid, kind of with photography, what images and text mm-hmm. uh, about that? Because you're a visual artist, like so I guess it was an irresistible opportunity for you to include some visuals, right?
1: Yeah, I suppose so. It 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 felt like. I think when I released the book, I hadn't yet made much of the video series, but as I was starting to and as I was editing, uh, it almost became a way to distill some of the things that were in the text or, you know, really give them a lot more space. So there are, I think the images in the book, let me just remind myself of which they are, I've got it right here, um, they're stills from the the first few episodes of the film, and I've actually thought about with the film, you know, going back and um making the text, doing like an ebook version that's got a little bit more of the visuals in it. But I think the world of it with the book and with the with the stills are uh, the world of it is, you know, it is a kind of aesthetic. Um, it so is the stills stills we've got our this kind of um me looking right out at the camera so at the viewer at the reader whoever it is at the you know the musician maybe at myself I don't know and there's there's many tropes in the video where that happens where I'm filming and I will turn to the camera and sort of look into it and talk into it or I'll talk into the mirror into the camera and I think there's just this desire to and it's in the text as well you can see you know really just address the reader or the other directly Um, and in that sense the the object of desire in the book the you know who I'm writing to he almost becomes um, irrelevant because it's really about me and the reader or me and the viewer um then there's this still of uh three horses in a field in France and I think that was that you know there's two horses together which I guess were me and my partner at the time and then there's this dark horse in the distance that's the way I thought of that image but yeah often um I don't film in a kind of traditional way where you know I've like looked at the the text and then I've scripted something and I've got a storyboard I did do this awful storyboard at one point but really I kind of I have footage that I'm gathering over over years different locations different times and um, then I kind of almost respond to the text with a bit of a collage montage of that but it was really varied and yeah including that in the book was almost just to sort of say oh it's a film as well so check that out reader (laughs) that point
0: well I I like the smileys like the little smileys and emoticons that appear within the text um it just makes the text that much more nutty and and creepy as you you use the word creepy like a little a little Mm -hmm. while back and I I thought yeah I didn't want to use the word creepy right out of the box but there's definitely (laughs) no it's creepy (laughs) (laughs) there's a creepy element to it um, but you're aware of that. I get the impression that you did kind of set out to make a creepy book in some way.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, just to go back as well to what you were saying about um, the, the dynamics, the power dynamics of the performer and uh, the audience and being someone in the audience. Um, I feel like this kind of relates to creepiness because, you know, in that position of voyeurism, there's something that's happening where – your i I think definitely my sort of fixation on that musician figure and that attachment to to them at that point was almost like a misplaced projection you know of my of myself I really were in this position <sighs> really I was in this position of sort of wanting to be the person performing wanting to be this person that was you know seemed carefree seemed to just sort of be up there like doing their craft um producing things sharing them with the world and obviously it was through the writing that I then actually managed to do that but um there was definitely an element of that and something I felt like I noticed in your book as well was how, I don't know what i saying all writers are creepy, but there's something about writing and the level of detail and observation that you are making, especially of others, that there, there's always an, an element of sort of being on the side um, sidelines sort of observing a situation. And um, I think for me, really just going into that and giving total space for that in the most absurd detail Uh, and not not trying to pretend that you know I'm cool (laughs) because that I think that that was really exciting to just you know go full pelt and let my um neurotic mind sort of yeah express itself
0: yeah Yeah. And it's really bold and you don't hold back. That's, that's another thing I really enjoy about it. You just go with it. Um, Sometimes it feels like, you know, it feels like it could become like a stalker kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it is stalky. It's stalky. Um, It is. Yeah. It's very stalky. But again, I think you get what you pay for. I think if you're on stage (laughs) and people are seduced by what you do, you kind of have to acknowledge that, you know, there's like a gamut of ways that they can respond. Some very, mm-hmm. you know, conducive to you just going home and, and considering the night over, and then some not so conducive
1: to that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that could lead towards, you know, like what we look at in the book, messages on Facebook, people wanting you to add them, etc., etc. It's It's interesting. Yeah the language of the internet, liking, adding. And to me, the book is very much a commentary on, um, on the internet also.
1: Absolutely. I, yeah, I'm not sure. I've, I've thought about this before and I, I wonder um, how, well, if it would have been possible before the internet, because I am, I'm not sure I would have bothered writing it if <laughs> I hadn't had that way in. Um, when I was on the train home from the gig, you know, I really was not expecting to find this person's personal Facebook page just on searching um, his name into Google that instantly. And just that very possibility that somebody that in the past may have been, you know, you might have seen them in person, and then you haven't seen, you know, you'd never see them again, or you'd have to write or join a fan club or something like, there wasn't that distance, I could actually just add him on Facebook and private message him um and it, it almost like that there's that false sense of intimacy in that oh
0: absolutely absolutely that,
1: yeah and even like one of the things I fixate on and one of the things that this uses an image in the video is the sort of three dots of the person the other person typing um you know when you experience that with someone that you, you don't know them, but you're almost feeling like, oh, my God, those three, like, when those three dots are there and they are, and you can see that they're typing something right now, where they oh, are, like,
0: okay. right now. Okay, okay. The wave, like, the wave of dots that's going up yeah. and down.
1: Yeah, the animation, it's like, yeah.
0: That's weird. That is the weirdest part of, <laughs> um, of messaging. Yeah. You know, it's definitely full of anticipation, suspense, depending upon – what's going on between you and that person. It can be, it can feel really threatening and you're preparing mm-hmm. yourself you know, for a comeback or it can be a moment of hope where you, know, you get the response you're looking for. But it, I hear you, there's a lot of suspense with that. Mm. Um, but the internet is a strange playground. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure how old you are, but for me, I would consider it something a recent, um, mm-hmm. something recent for me you know not part of most of my life so
1: well i'm 29 so i'm like i was probably about maybe like 7 or 8 when we when we first had a computer in the house um so i was i, I lived without the internet but i was very much in the maybe the first generation of teenagers that were um were using that so Yeah, I was sort of probably got my first phone when I was 12 or 13. And actually, back then, phones didn't have that. You know, we didn't have smartphones. It was just text or call. But uh, definitely starting to get into all the the things like MySpace and uh, MSN Messenger, you were able to sort of suddenly... See this whole peer group, but also start to see yourself uh, and your own profile and your own pictures, your images in this sort of performed way. Well, um, do you think, you
0: know, since you're talking about, you know, how your generation um, has come into the whole digital reality and culture? do you think it's as good? Um, do you think it's a good time to be a writer, or do you have a nostalgia about past decades that you think might have been more conducive to being a writer? Tell me how you feel about being a writer and an artist in the Twitter, Facebook era.
1: In twenty twenty one, well, oh, there's, there's. There's so much to this question. There's so many pros and so many cons, I think. Uh, and I'm keen to know what you think as well. But I guess my, my initial uh, instinct is that, you know, what a time to be alive. It's, it's pretty incredible. And I'm not sure that, um, I, I don't I, I can't possibly say how I would have been in any other era. But I think in terms of, having the means and the tools at one's disposal to be able to actually produce things and then share them and find an audience. Like, you know, it, it wouldn't have been possible in another era for us to be doing what we're doing right now. And it wouldn't, you know, unless, say, I'd sort of published my book and, and, and you'd found it in a bookstore or something, that happens as well sure but I think there's something about I'm not sure if my I could have published my work or I could have published this work in another era. I'm not sure it would have been published and I wouldn't have had the means to do that because people didn't have the means to you know make small indie cult presses that only maybe have a small readership and they're non-commercial but they can exist because of the internet um so I think there's all of those pros I think the cons are um it's just a very saturated landscape where so many people are doing it but I don't think we can complain about lots of people doing it because lots of people should be doing it and expressing themselves and um getting it out there it's just a different sort of paradigm and if anything it's like very I think it's much more accessible um in a lot of ways than in previous times um to yeah to just sort of do it you know go ahead and and publish something or find a small publisher even if it's not commercial even if it's not what the the literati or the sort of cultural milieu of the day are endorsing but what do you think because i mean you've published I suppose you've probably been writing through the era, through the eras, right, through these decades. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that there's a tension between a person like me, myself, and the internet. And I think that it's not just the tension between me and the internet. <laughs> I mean, it's a tension mm-hmm. between people like you also, people who um, don't wanna be stalked are not there to be stalked, or are not there um, to, to 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 become human live data being moved around algorithmically behind the scenes. You don't really know how, you know, how you're being deployed when you're online, but you are being deployed every move you make, every every yeah. website you visit, every every conversation that you have with someone, it's shocking later you might receive a strange kind of ad pop-up that is mm-hmm. alluding. Thing that you said to your mother or something, you know, I mean, it's too weird, you know, so mm-hmm. it is, it's, it is a landscape, as you say, but it's, it's, but it's like a, it's one, you know, and I don't want to be melodramatic, but this is the bottom line, we're kind of prey, and um, it's just like a fishing net or something, you know, and we're all kind of in there hoping that we can turn it into a dignified, um, humane space, but at the same time, they're feasting on us, you know, mm. they're feasting on us companies and powerful mega moguls and, and they're not finished. Like, this is how the internet looks now. And it's, if, if you, you know, if you have grandkids or something like that, they're going to be most likely even more locked down. Mm-hmm. It's got you know to I mean, because it's just getting more and more aggressive. A lot of it has to do with the growing population of the planet um, that makes life more impersonal. Mm-hmm. so that's going to be the struggle up ahead um, how do we stay human mm. that's going to be the big struggle
1: yeah you're right it's, it's something um, I think about because in terms of the the positives maybe I outlined around having a forum or a place for expression you also start to question that when the very platforms which we use to do that um you know whatever our whatever our content is it doesn't really make a difference as long as we're there and posting things um the more authentic we are the more we're broadcasting ourselves on these platforms um and the more we're performing uh the more you know we're kind of locked onto them and i do think that there's so many dangers with how addictive um, they are in terms of what they do with our brain chemistry and dopamine, and you know how they keep us on the feed and affect our emotions. So, yeah, it's it's bittersweet, really. But I guess maybe you can't you can't have you can't have the good without the you know. There's no such thing as a free lunch, right?
0: Well, um, there should be. And hopefully there should definitely be such a thing as a free lunch. Hopefully – well, I'm not going to say because I have a very kind of scary fantasy um, that a lot of this stuff will just break down and, like, fall apart, and Mm -hmm. then we could restart in a different way.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I thought that that might happen with COVID, but it doesn't seem that way.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, anyway – yeah, it's been, it's been incredible, you know, talking to you, I, I, I like what you do. I like, you know, how you kind of, you know, work with different media, you're not just writing, you're including photographs, because I actually have a work that I got funded by an arts organization in New York, like way mm-hmm. back, that I'm, if I could show you that, but I don't know how, anyway, I have something, it's like a photo diary. And mm-hmm. again, it just reminds me of what you're doing. And I'll, I'll try to figure out how I could show it to you, maybe I would have yeah, to Yeah, please. Yeah, it's kind of complicated when you have like a book in book form from back in the day that's not online. But anyway, um, it's been incredible talking to you. I'm really happy that you know, you, you, you found time to talk to me. Um, you know, like your work is is, it's everything. It's fearless, it's funny, it's profound it's carefree it's fun it's intimate it's like playful it's a little bit creepy <laughs> <laughs> it's a little creepy um but you know creepy. again
1: yeah no just a little not too much um it's well. creepy but it's it's sort of it's uh it reins itself in or it knows it's wrong but it sort of goes there anyway we need to
0: explore all those aspects of, of, of who we are, and I think you do it really, really well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah, well, Geraldine Snell, you know, thanks for hanging out with me. Um, Thank
1: you so much.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's been real. I'm happy to, like, wake up this morning and talk to you first and foremost, and, and hopefully we can keep this dialogue going.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I'm really looking forward to, to finishing your book and when the actual – Physical thing arrives. um oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, send me your your thoughts, please. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll do. We'll do.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, have a good day. Good night, rather.
1: Yeah. Good. Good. You too. And thanks for making this space.
0: Yeah. Bye.
1: Peace out. Take care. Bye.